I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Here comes Bosco's Boys, here comes Bosco's Boys, right down Bosco's Boys Lane. Santa Claus, Scott, and all the boneheads on Willie's crazy train. Chauncey's chewing on the mistletoe, oh, what a beautiful noise. Grab a brew and talk KSU, cause here comes Bosco's Boys. Here comes Bosco's Boys, here comes Bosco's Boys. Here comes Bosco's Boys. Here comes Bosco's Boys. Boom, the boys are back, and it is time for one of my favorite guests, and he is quickly rising up the ranks for most all-time guest appearances on Bosco's Boys. I'm not going to give the long super introduction because you know what? He's a busy man and I have questions to ask him. It is the Hall of Famer. It is the voice of your Kansas State Wildcats and maybe the busiest man in the entire state of Kansas, Wyatt Thompson. Wyatt, welcome back to the show. Football season still has bowls going in the meat of basketball season. And uh, look, you're going to be calling the Las Vegas Bowl as well. How does it feel to be so good at your job that folks just demand you work more and more every single year? Well, you're the most kind guy ever on, in introducing me, and I, I thank you so much for that, Scott. I always love being on with you. I love talking K-State with you, but it, it feels great. You know how much I love Kansas State and, and K-State football and basketball and just the opportunity to do a, a national broadcast on, on radio during the holiday season in Vegas is really pretty cool, too, so yeah, there's a lot of work, a lot of hours, a lot of watching, rewatching games that have been played in September, October, November, what have you. But that, hey, that's part of the fun of it too. I, over the years, I've I've become much better at appreciating the process of getting ready for games. You know, whether it's individual notes on players or you know watching those games and just getting a feel, and it helps you. It, you know, it it expands the horizon, so to speak, a little bit. And it, I'm all about that. When you're going to become a, a expert on Las Vegas, you know, K-State men's basketball was out there. You're doing the Las Vegas Bowl. And uh, thanks to, you know, FIFA bringing all sorts of soccer games to AT&T Stadium in Arlington, uh, the next two football media days are going to be out in Las Vegas as well. Uh, are you a fan of the Sin City? And what, what do you think about all your frequent trips there nowadays? Well, I love Vegas. Uh, I well, well, Full disclosure, I'm not a very good gambler. I would have better luck giving you a hundred dollars and saying, okay, Scott, get out there and do the best you can. Cause I know I'll lose it, <laughs> but, but that's okay too. Right. That's, that's part of the fun of it. 
in my previous life at, at Colorado State, we used to go to Vegas a lot, uh, at least once a year, sometimes twice and three times, depending on if the uh, championship football game was in Vegas, which a lot of times that it was. So I, I've gotten to the point where, you know, I've really enjoyed the city and there's so much, it's so different now than it was then though. Um, you know, with, with so much going on I mean, with the hockey team and obviously baseball is coming or sort of with the A's. Um, <laughs> a nice so little anyway, dig at the it's A's. a great city. Yeah, and I think I think it'll probably have an NBA team too before long, don't you? I mean, it's just kind of what it is. So yeah, very much looking forward to it. It'll be awesome. So I, I've retired from table games because when we were out there for the basketball game, shortly before we walked over for the game, I actually was plus a hundred and twenty dollars playing blackjack. So I'm retiring. I'm just telling myself, hey, I'm, I'm the best blackjack player ever to play because I was only doing $15 a hand. So I think, hey, if I retire now, I can say maybe I'm the greatest blackjack player of all time. So well, uh, percentage, percentage wise, that may be right. Yeah. So you, you just keep that $100 and you and I will we'll go to Manhattan <laughs> Brewing Company sometime while, while I'm in town. Um, I want to start uh, talking a little football. I want to go back to senior day um, and what would have been uh, maybe an all-time type game if the result would have been different, uh, that Iowa State game. I want to ask you as a broadcaster, I don't want to talk about the game. It scarred me. It took me close to three hours to drive to Manhattan from Topeka. It took me about two and a half hours to get back after the game. Don't want to talk about the actual game. I'm scarred. I cry myself to sleep thinking about it. But how is calling a game in a legitimate snowstorm for you? Because the snow was falling pretty heavy the entire game. At least it wasn't windy. But I imagine that has to be one of the more difficult games you've ever called. It is a difficult situation. I'd had a couple of games in my uh, career earlier uh, in the state of Colorado where we had a, a snow game that was similar to that in terms of depth and uh, how you could see or not. Um, one of those games was a, a game uh, in Fort Collins, uh, and another game was a, a Colorado State game at the Air Force Academy, and that might have been the hardest one ever. And one of the better games, too, honestly. Uh, just the good part for me in this game, uh, away from the results, which I'm like you, that was a deflating night on so many levels, but I've got a really good spotter, and uh, he was kind of on one side. I had another guy helping me on my left. So it wasn't perfect, and I don't want to portray it to, to be that because it wasn't. But and, and you're kind of somewhat guessing, and you hope you get within a couple of yards or so, which I think we did most of the night. But it is a challenge. You take so many things for granted in life. But, you know, even, even that day, as I'm sitting there watching the field get more and more covered, I'm thinking, ah, they'll blow off those numbers. Well, they blew off the yard lines, right? Like the 20, the 30, the 40, but not the the actual numbers. So that, you know, but they were trying really, I, I got to salute the, the, the staff at K-State for their efforts though. I mean, it was, go back and look at the highlights, man. It was, well, you were here, you know, it was nuts. I mean, it was, it was really crazy. Yeah, we were talking in the statement like, what yard line are we even at? And we were looking up at the scoreboard and like, are they really on the 38? That can't be. So it it was nutty for sure. Um, so he, here's a fun question. What was more difficult calling that game or trying to identify who the hell was playing for KU with their black jerseys and blue numbers? 
because inside the stadium, because because I watched that game and quite frankly, I almost left early. I was panicking. Um, glad I didn't. But then when I rewatched it on TV, thinking, oh, it'll be better on TV, I could not tell you a single one of their numbers. And I don't think that should be legal. So I'll ask you, what's tougher, calling a game in a snowstorm or trying to read what KU players making what plays in Lawrence that night? I'll be as blunt as I can possibly be here. Those numbers sucked. And that was a much harder night for me by a mile than it was uh, in the snowstorm. You know, people have asked me about, you know, how tough was it with Iowa State with the white unis and the, you know, the dark red numbers and stuff. That was a day at the beach compared to the week before. I'm just telling you, I wasn't the only one struggling with it. Our coaches in the booth were too. And it's difficult to to do your job when you're not able to see that, right? Um, so full disclosure, um, hope I don't get in trouble saying that, but uh, I know Colin Klein uh, was, was an unhappy guy uh, looking at those numbers probably every bit or more so than I was. And it, it was a hard night, seriously. Yeah, I, I'm lucky enough to have talked with someone who who works on the offensive side of the ball and someone else who worked on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, I know Joe Klanderman would not publicly say anything like this, but but I'll say I, I think that they had a tough time with that offense until end of the game when they're figuring out because they had no idea who might be back there because they couldn't be reading the numbers and all the motions and stuff. So maybe KU had that up their sleeve. Maybe that was, uh, you know, maybe that was a plan for them. And if it was good for them, but I can't imagine doing your job or, or trying to identify personnel looking at those jerseys, man. It, it was difficult. And, and, and again, I, I do think, you know, there are a lot of things that, that probably need tweaked or worked on in, in college athletics. Um, I am a big believer in, in that. I mean, th- this game is for television and for the fans more than anything else. And if you're watching that game on TV and you're having trouble seeing it as good as shots as they have, uh, maybe we need to change it a little bit. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Going back to that game, because I I do want to talk about it, and like I said, I'm going to pretend the Iowa State game didn't happen. You've now called so many different K-State, KU football games, almost all of them K-State wins. Um, I want to give credit where credit's due, KU, much improved team, but what does it say about the grit and bait and really the want to by this K-State team to have come back in that game in the fashion that they did to get that win over KU for the 15th straight time? I thought it was one of the more gutsy things that that I've seen in K-State football in a while, and I'm fortunate here. We've had a lot of success here, and you know that, um, and you're as proud about it as I am, and that's the great part <laughs> about that, I think, but you know, things were not good. I mean, they they were kind of doing whatever uh, offensively, and it was difficult to get that kind of slowed down. Uh, K-State was doing okay offensively, but just okay. Uh, but they just, like they always do, they just keep grinding, right? And and finally, I think uh, they, they got a few things kind of turned in their favor. They got a big break with the uh, muff of the punt. That was a really, really big play in the game. 
And and at the end of the day, when they had to run out the clock and a lot of it late, I mean, they did what they do. They ran the ball when they threw it the one time. It was veteran to veteran with uh, Will Howard to Philip Brooks ball game. And it was a great feeling to get out of there because you said it well, man. It, it, this is different than when I, hey, we won over there 63 nothing the first time I went over there. Um, they're, they're a little bit better than that now. <laughs> That they are. Um, I, I want to talk about Will Howard because uh, as I was talking uh, about, I was at the game. I listened to you and Stan's entire post game, and like I said, because it took me so long, I heard all of Matt's post game as well. You know, just for what usually is a forty-five minute drive. Uh, but you guys talked with Will Howard, and I, I know Stan uh, was, was trying to make it, try to convince him to play in that bowl game. I, I remember saying, "Hey, you still, you still have one more." and Totally understand why Will is uh, still exploring the NFL, possibly going to transfer away. But uh, when you look back at his career specifically, uh, from that first game where he had to come in during COVID and, and, uh, with Skyler out to what he left out on the field uh, in that snowy game versus Iowa State, how are you going to remember Will Howard's career? I'll probably answer that pretty succinctly, really. Um, I, I will remember – all of the things that Will went through and how he handled it. I, I was very impressed when he was a very, very young player with, with how he handled that. He wasn't any more ready to play than I would have been. I'm, I'm serious. I'm not even trying to be funny. I mean, you know, three games into a career where he really had no summer to, to get to know what was going on, and he's in there because of the injury to Skyler. That was so crazy. And and what I, I've said a, a million times between then and now that, you know, he's been such a warrior in, in doing things the right way and learning and working on his craft and, you know, spending summers throwing the football to, to receivers and all of those kind of things. Um, I just appreciated his toughness, uh, his, his just ability to stand there at those pressers when things were great and when they were okay and when they were not very good and be the same Will Howard. I think that that's admirable. I, I remember saying one time to, to Jordy Nelson and another time to a guy, it, well, several guys really, but it, it, it's hard to go in there all the time. Uh, it's easy when you're winning, right? And it's a little tougher when things aren't great, but Will was the same guy every time. And I, I so appreciate those types of players because they're, you know, that's, that's hard to do. Another departure, and it hit me like a ton of bricks while I was sitting at that K-State basketball game versus Villanova. The news of Colin Klein moving on to Texas A&M. You called his, you know, college football Hall of Fame career, I think, you know, as a player. Uh, you've seen his development as a coach. Now he's he's going to head down to College Station. Um, were you surprised by that news? And, and what, what do you want uh, fans to kind of remember back at the Colin Klein era as a coach, not just as a player? Great questions. Um, you know, was I surprised? Uh, to a degree, yes. Uh, you're always surprised, I think, when you first see something like that or hear something like that. Uh, I, I've said a lot of times since this has, has come down the pike that we probably knew this day was coming, and there were lots of days that I would get out of bed and, and thank my lucky stars about the job I have at K-State and the fact that guys like that are some of the people that I work with. Uh, I've said this a lot of times before, too. Um, I've never seen a player as a better leader um, in any sport, really. Um, and I think that's permeated into his professional career as, as a coach. 
I love the way he handles his quarterback room and the way he tackled this offensive coordinator position for a couple of years at K-State uh, was, I, I mean, hey, just based on numbers alone, dude, I mean, check it out. Um, this past season, right, wrong, or indifferent, I know it could have been better. There's no doubt about that. But numbers-wise, it literally was one of the five best seasons offensively in Kansas State football history. Um I will always uh, appreciate Colin for the, the the type of human being and man he is, uh, family person, and also a pretty darn good football coach. And I'm I've told him this to his face, so I can say this to you and to everybody else too. I, I hope he's back here someday as a head coach. <laughs> I don't know that he will or won't be because I think he's got this for me, Scott. I'll say it this way: this is just part of the progression for him, from my perspective of getting to where he eventually wants to get. I, I don't think this is the end goal of him being at Texas A&M. I think he'll be a head coach someday somewhere, whether it's, you know, a major college, a power five program or NFL or whatever it might be. Uh, big things in store for that guy. Definitely. And a new era is beginning with K-State. We talked about Will leaving. We talked about Colin leaving. Uh, I, I think things are still up in the air for the next offensive coordinator, but it's not up in the air who the next quarterback's going to be. Uh, luckily, uh, he made that clear with the number change. How excited are you to see a game plan put around Avery Johnson and really seeing what he can do with this big build up to the bowl game uh, here later in December versus NC State? I would be lying if I said anything other than this. You, you have to be excited for for him and and what he could potentially end up being at K State. He's a marvelous kid. Uh, I'll call him young man. Kid's probably unfair. He's past that kid stage, I suppose. But <laughs> that's a reflection of more of my age than his, of course. But uh, we all see the electric talent. Um, I, th- I think he has great work ethic. Uh, I'm I'm so excited that he's hanging in there and is. It's kind of his, it's going to be his uh, team going forward. You know, I heard Kleiman say a lot of times over the last couple of years that Will's one of the faces of the program, and and I think Avery is is becoming that now, and and I think he'll handle it. And as he gains experience, um, I think he's just going to get better and better because skill set wise, in the twenty two years I've been here, he's he's as good as most, if, or if not better than most, in a lot of things in the game. Final thing with football before we move on to basketball, we'll have one final game with Cooper Beebe. I'm so happy he's not opting out. Uh, He is officially a consensus All-American with his third selection, uh, second and third selection among the five earlier this week. I think he has a chance to be a unanimous All-American. I think he should be. And I think whoever the football coach in the Big 12 that didn't vote him all uh, Big 12 should have to be strapped up to Bill Snyder Family Stadium and be pelted with apples. That's my statement, not yours. But how happy are you to see this young man play one more game with K-State? He's going to go down as one of the all-time greatest players. And full disclosure, I, I do have a Heisman Trophy vote. I put Cooper Beebe as my number three guy. I had Michael Penix Jr. at two. I had uh, the, the the young man uh, Daniels at LSU at number one. But I had Cooper Beebe on my Heisman ballot because I think he is – the greatest offensive lineman in K-State history, and I think he was the best one in college football this year. Uh, so that tells you how much I think of him. How excited are you to see him play one more game with K-State? Well, I'm I'm very excited for, for one more. And, and you know, I, I try really hard in my job to, to not take things for granted. 
but it's hard not to take him and his consistent play and not take it for granted, to be honest with you. You know, from the time he's walked in here, you could tell that he was going to be kind of a different guy, right? Um, he He's a little bit unassuming, um, but I love his work ethic. Um, as you, as I've gotten to know him, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but as I've gotten to know him a little bit, and, and I'll stress that a little bit, I, I think I know him decently well, but, but not like a, a lot of people do, like a Connor Riley as an example. But he's one of the most likable young men I've, I've been around. I, I just like everything about him. But his work ethic and his technique and the way he's been coached and the way he goes about everything he does is exemplary. And one of the cool things that I'll remember about Biebs is is this summer we had him on the Catbacker Tour and kind of unsolicited, he he talked at one point when we were visiting with him about – he wanted to be the first K-State offensive lineman in the ring of honor. And I get a little emotional talking about this because I thought that was such a special thing. Most kids won't go there. You know what I mean? Uh, but it, it, it was, it's important to him. And, and I think it was reflective for me on there's a reason he's had this much success because he thinks bigger than most and he performs bigger than most. And, and I so appreciate him for that. He, he's terrific. Really, really. He's going to be on that ring one of these days, buddy. There's no doubt about that. Yes, I I think officially, I think the rules say you have to wait five years. I, I know uh, maybe Nick Leckie might want to get up there before then, but I, I think they should hold off. I think whether there are multiple big guys with them going up there in that year, I do think Cooper, Cooper should be, uh, if not uh, the first, tied for the first offensive lineman up there. Um, we'll we'll move to basketball, but before we do, I want to talk about Charlie Hustle just real quick. Charlie Hustle, you, you might not be able to get it in time for Christmas unless you're coming to Kansas City shopping down at their store at the Country Club Plaza. But you know what? Maybe you should give a New Year's gift. Maybe you should get an early jump on Valentine's shopping. They have the best officially licensed K-State gear in the world, including the NILTs with Gabby Gregory, Aoka Lee, Arthur Kaluma, and Mr. Big Shot himself, Tyler Perry. So if you want to look good, feel good, play good, be wearing Charlie Hustle. Great crew neck sweatshirts, t-shirts, joggers, everything you could want. Uh, and why I, I need I need I need a Wyatt Thompson T-shirt. I'm going to talk to them. Maybe <laughs> maybe the, the Wyatt Thompson, the voice of the Wildcats, and I'll, I'll wear it to every game. Uh, so we'll see if we can make that happen. Um, let's move to basketball first. You, you've been you've had a Hall of Fame career. You're one of the best broadcast uh, you know per, people in in the game, no matter what the sport. Have you ever called three straight overtime games in your life? I have not. And that's, uh, by the way, I don't know if, if you came up with big shot with Tyler, uh, if you did kudos, that's one of the coolest things out there. Um, I hadn't heard that yet. I, I love it. Um, terrific young man, by the way, but no, not even, I, I remember a couple of different occasions where I had back to back overtime games, but never three in a row like that. And um, if, if I'm going to be full disclosure mode here, I'm still so thankful that K-State found a way to win that North Alabama game because I thought they were cooked. I, I really, oh, truly did. I was and melting to win down that a thing bit. was I'm not going to lie to you. I was melting down during that game. <laughs> oh, for sure. And, and to do that, I mean, I, I even mentioned to Coach Tang, you found a way, you know, and, and that's kind of what they're doing. And now with the five-game streak, they're, they're obviously getting better, and they're not a finished product by any stretch of the imagination which should be exciting for this fan base. And I know it is because 
you think about what Kaluma was like opening night and, and how he's playing now. Um, and you think about Cam and how about Will McNair, man? I mean, that guy's really been good here of late. And I, I got so excited in the post game after LSU Saturday, when coach Tang said to us that, Hey, there's, there's stuff in him that we haven't even brought out yet. I mean, there's way more there. I'm paraphrasing of course, but um, it, it shows you this team has grown, but they're continuing to grow. Um, and th- for me, that's that's an exciting thing. They, the road's going to be hard in the league. We know that. But uh, th- this this is a really neat uh, group, and I think Coach Tang is enjoying coaching them. And, and I, I think something that I was pleased with with this with the LSU game, the most recent game, we don't need to get into everything that is going on, but there were distractions this past week. There, yep. There's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, also, congratulations to Naquan Tomlin graduating. I think we can all – say that and wish them well at Memphis, but th- th- there was a lot of distractions going on that week and they were able to go on the road, uh, win by 15, but you know, at the under uh, four timeout, what it was only a three or five point game. They're able yeah. to stretch it out. What does that say about this team that, Hey, they saw the lead vanish. They probably were thinking to themselves, Oh boy, you know, maybe here we go again, but instead they found that next drive uh, in the final three minutes. What did that say to you for this team? Well, to me, it's part of the toughness, uh, part of the culture, part of the growth of, of the group. Um, think about that being, and and it, well, I'll be honest, it wasn't the world's best environment. You know, this is the holidays time, and their students were were scarce at best. Um, there wasn't a lot of energy in the building, but I like to think that K State took that out of them early with the way Cam was setting it on fire, you know, in front of his family and friends. Uh, so, so there's that. But it was troublesome to be up 15 and then have them whittle it down to three. But it was also exciting to see them kick it back up into double figures and win by 15. Uh, because winning on the road anywhere, anytime is hard. I've, if I haven't learned anything else in my time in Division One, I've learned that. Um, it, it's tough on the road, both both sports. So I, I'll, I'll stress again, you know, they're, I really like this group in terms of they appear to like, let's go back to the distractions of last week. I mean this sincerely. I couldn't see any of that having an effect on them the entire trip from the time we got to the airport to the time we got there and got back. I never saw any of that. I mean, they were locked in and ready. It was a business trip. They had fun. Sure. Uh, And played a pretty good ball game, but I I don't think, Hey, they all love Naquan. We all know that. Didn't we all? I mean, Let's let's cut to it, man. Uh, he's hard not to like. He's such a personality and a unique talent and what have you. And I thought they handled it well, really well. Yeah, and and it wasn't just, hey, it wasn't a great atmosphere at LSU, but Coach Tang loves to say, you know, the home crowd in Bramlage is worth, you know, eight to ten points. You know, I think sometimes yep. he, he might even say 12 points. Uh, but you didn't have that, and they were able to make their own energy. And that's what gets me excited about this team because – uh, you're, you're going to have games and, and, and I, I don't, I'm not going to call out any of the other big 12 schools, but you're going to have nights where you're playing in a half empty gym and being able to bring your own energy is a big thing that I, I think this team can take from uh, this trip. Uh, I, I, you, you called out Cam Carter and I'm glad you did. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but we talked back in October and, and I brought him up and said, Will he be able to take that leadership? Will he be able to take that jump? Because I I, I thought that was going to be a key for this team. 
he's exceeded all my wildest expectations on the <laughs> offensive end of the floor. And the last few games, I think he's really kicked it up on defense as well. Um, you're closer to the program, way closer than I am. Are you surprised to see him take that big of a jump? And do you think, hey, this is going to be sustainable through Big 12 play? Well, it's a great question, honestly. And I guess what the way I'll try to answer it is, is that there's a little bit of a surprise element there, and yet there isn't too. And what I mean by that is, is I thought watching him this summer and once school started prior to the start of, you know, everyday practice and preparing for the season, you could see how much work he put in with his body, with his shot, just with his effort. And, you know, Coach Tang said something to me at one point about, you know, his role is different. There aren't two All-Americans walking around here like there was last year. And that really hit me, Scott, because it was like, you know, that I didn't think about it like that. But from the time, from my perspective, okay, from the time last season was over till now, I think Cam Carter basically decided, hey, we need a new leader on this team to take Marquise's spot. He heard Coach talk about how great Keese was, first guy in the gym, last guy to leave, work ethic, extra shots, week, what, whatever it might be. And Cam did all of that. Um, it's hard to compare anybody to Keese because he was so uniquely different, but just from a workout uh, and work ethic kind of mode, Cam has been terrific. Um, and I think as he learns moving forward, he's still a very young player in so many ways. Um, he probably takes a, a, a shot or two that you'd consider not great shots from time to time. If you take a couple of those a, a game away, those numbers pop just a little bit up with all, I mean, he had 21 points. I think it was eight rebounds, four assists, a couple of two or three steals on Saturday. He was dominant defensively. Uh, he's just a very, very fine player. And I, I think he's starting to believe that, hey, I can be as good as I think I can. You know, I, I've thought all along I could get there. Now he's starting to feel it. Yeah, that that's exciting. And then when you pair it with Arthur Kaluma, Big 12 Player of the Week, I think it was Bob Cousy Award National Player of the Week, one of those uh, award National Player of the Week. Um, I, I think he probably started a little slow, and I think some K-State fans were kind of looking around like saying, oh, w was this one of our big additions? But I've, I think we've seen over the last handful of games, not only is he getting his buckets, not only is he getting the rebounds, but he's doing it so efficiently. I think that's where the the switch is flipped for me. Um, have you seen that? It's something, hey, went off in his head and said, okay, you know, I can do this on this team at this level. Yeah, I'll go back and reference the USC game in opening night in Vegas and, and the fact that, I mean, you could kind of see, I didn't have the world's best seat that night. We were up on the um, concourse level, but even from that distance, you could see he was still a little unsure, unsettled, whatever, whatever you want to say. And here you flash forward now here from early November to mid-December. It's pretty amazing how free-flowing he's playing. He's becoming a better defensive player, which definitely needed to happen. I love his body and the way he competes. Um, he, he's a very unique player at 6'7", and I know he's, it's difficult trying to replace a guy like Keontae Johnson because that dude was explosive and he was tough and he, he could go get you a bucket now um, and, and did everything so, so well. 
But we're starting to see that Arthur has an innate ability to get to the rim. He's better uh, in the mid-range and long-range shooting the ball than than I think he's been in his career. You, you just, again, kind of repetitive here of what I said about Cam, but you can see with Art his just his comfortableness with the program and the system he's in. And and I, I think there's still room for more growth, but he, uh, his long arms and, and some of the plays he, he made that play Saturday on the missed free throw where he gets the ball and twists it up off the glass on the left side with his right hand underhanded. It's like, wow, that's a heck of a play, man. So he's really, I think he's really coming along. Yeah, he must be great at geometry with some of the angles, some of the ways he's able to, you know, not only get to the bucket, but then, like you said, get it up on the glass and, and score. Um, the the other player I, I want to talk about, and again, we probably could talk about, you know, the freshman. You already brought up Will McNair, but I, I want to bring up Tyler Perry because, you know, he, we, we talked about it earlier. He makes the big shot. He He's made the threes when you needed him the most. But when you look at his game logs, what he's shooting from three, I believe it's five out of the last six games, he's below 33%. And he only right. had seven of those games last year. But I was talking to Jimmy Goheen, uh, KSU underscore fan on Twitter. Uh, and, and I was talking about, but he said, hey, you have to look at his whole game. And when you break it down and you see what he's been able to do, getting assists, distribution, is he Marquise Noel? No, but no one is. But he's distributing better. He's getting to the free throw line. And he's making damn near every free throw. So I came away thinking, man, if he's doing this while he he still is kind of in a little bit of a shooting funk, what is he going to be come February? What have you seen up close? And, you know, for shooters like that, they kind of, you know, turtle away when they're, the shots aren't going. But he's been the opposite. He's just pressed rest of the game forward. How impressive is it to see that? I think real impressive, honestly. I, I think he's kind of one of those guys that he is always going to have confidence in his ability to make a shot, whether it's at the rim, whether it's in the mid-range, whether it's from three, whether it's long range. I mean, like, you know, we saw Marquise last year put up a lot of long threes. I don't know that Tyler is that far out, but but he can shoot it from a ways out. And I, I think what you were talking about with KSU underscore fan there is pretty accurate in, in that I think it's five straight games now with at least six assists or something in that vicinity. Um, and, and I think what probably should be said here is the way they're asking him to play now uh, in this system compared to what it was at North Texas is vastly different. It's been an adjustment for him but you haven't seen him complain or hang his head or any of that. He, he's such a neat young guy and and very well-spoken and has, I think the ability to lead. I, I think when Jerome Tang talks, uh, and this was a couple of weeks ago or three weeks ago where he said, what do you need out of Tyler Perry? He said, I, I need him all in. And I think Tyler Perry is trying to be all in. He's working at it. He's, he's probably not there necessarily just yet, but I think he wants to get there. He's got to get better defensively, and he knows that. He's had some improvement there, but a ways to go yet. And and I, but I offensively, as he gets more used to this system and with used to the other guys that he's playing with, I, I think you'll see. Uh, I hope you see his his um, shooting percentage go up because hey, when he gets in, a, the one thing that's been disturbing for me so far, if I'm being honest. He's had a bunch of pretty good looks, open looks from three this year that normally he's going to bang in there, right? 
I mean, if you're honest, he's a 40% career three-point shooter. So I think he'll come out of this and play his way out of it at some point. Yep, I'm right there with you. The final question before we end with a four-pack of Christmas questions. We have a sold-out Bramlage Coliseum coming to uh, town on Sunday versus Nebraska. We had it versus Villanova. It looks like upwards of 16,000, 17,000 in the Sprint or T-Mobile Center, excuse me, next Thursday versus Wichita State. And this is all coming off a season sellout for football. Uh, I know it took a couple games longer than I'm sure Jerome Tang would have liked it, but how do you, how how do you describe the K-State fans in the fever pitch, not just for football, but basketball right now and some of the atmospheres that they're bringing, not only to Bill Snyder family stadium, not only to, uh, uh, Bramlage Coliseum, excuse me, but you know, out in Las Vegas and now to Kansas City, uh, are, are we in kind of a, almost a golden age of K State fans bringing the atmosphere wherever they go? I think that's perfectly said, and and the short answer is yes. I think we are, and and I think we are because people are excited about K State athletics right now on on almost all levels. I mean, right now. I don't think I'm stretching this at all. Gene Taylor is one of the most popular guys in in K-State athletics, and that's a good thing. The guy is really good at what he does. He hires good people and lets them work. Uh, We've seen Chris Kleiman become, you know, pretty consistent. This year could have been a little bit better. We're about this far, and I'm holding my fingers about, oh, maybe an inch and a half apart. Less than 35 points away from a perfect season. It could have been 10 and 2. We all know it, right? Um. And the the thing with, with Coach Tang is he's just set everybody on their ear, right? I mean, they, they see the kind of individual he is. Uh, we, we knew coming in that, one, he could recruit. Two, he was a good man. But I don't know if anybody saw the floor coach ability that he has. And, and, and hey, K-State basketball fans are smart, man. They, they, they see good basketball. They know, they know what good basketball is all about. And, and then, I mean, we could – you know, I don't want to graze over everything else, but like what women's basketball is doing now and the volleyball season compared to what the expectations were was off the charts. So it, it's a nice time. There's no doubt. And, you know, from a facility standpoint and people being involved in the program, it's probably, if I'm being honest, it's probably consistently as good across the board as at any time in the 22 years I've been here. Yes. And, and I'm looking forward to that game on Sunday. I'll be in Bramlage, you know, T-Mobile Center, only about 35 minutes from me here in Shawnee, Kansas, so I can't wait for those. We're going to get to a four-pack of Christmas questions brought to you by Manhattan Brewing Company. Just today, as we're recording this, on the 13th, they are dropping Wabash Ale, a beer in collaboration with Wildcat NIL. I don't know what you're allowed to say about that, but what I'm going (laughs) to say is, hey, I think it's a great partnership. I think everyone, if you're a, if you're a craft beer drinker, if you see it in your local liquor store, buy it out. If you go to the brewery, buy it out because a portion of every sale goes back to Wildcat NIL with our friends Curry Sexton, Jesse Ertz, just to name a few, helping K-State be competitive in the NIL world moving forward. I will also say Sunday after the K-State Nebraska game, I'm coming back to Shawnee. The folks at Manhattan Brewing Company, myself and Philip Slavin from the 1012 Network in the 1012 Podcast, we are doing a Manhattan Brewing Company and Pop-Tarts tasting together. We are pairing together four different Pop-Tarts with four different Manhattan Brewing Company beers. It's going to be live on YouTube. Check it out. Don't cyber bully me in the comments. Only constructive (laughs) criticism. 
uh, and we're going to have a good time. So Manhattan Brewing Company is where it's at. Uh, Wyatt, I'm going to start things off. Uh, I'm a big Christmas fan. We talked about this before. Uh, do you own a uh, ugly or an attractive Christmas sweater? <laughs> uh, full disclosure, I do not. I'm not a Grinch by any stretch of the imagination, but I am not, in all honesty, a sweater wearer. I never have been. My dad was not. I, I think I came by that naturally. So I, I'm sorry to disappoint you there, but uh, no sweaters for this guy for the most part. There is nothing you could say that could disappoint me, Wyatt. You're one of my favorite <laughs> people, so don't worry about that. So uh, if you're not a Grinch, we'll move into number two. What is your favorite Christmas movie? Wow. This is a little sappy, probably, but probably I'll say a, a Wonderful Life. I, gr I grew up uh, as a farm kid, and my dad was a big Jimmy Stewart fan. Um, and so subsequently I was too, I, I, I spectacularly done, especially for the time frame in which it, it was in the story and that. So that's probably a pretty easy answer for me there. I was a choir kid in high school. My dad listens to Christmas music. I love Christmas music. So if you had to choose just one to be your favorite Christmas song, what would it be? <laughs> this probably is a different answer today than it might've been a week or so ago, but uh, I've got a almost two and a half year old granddaughter who is killing jingle bells right now. And she is hilarious with it. So I'm going to say jingle bells for that reason. How's that? Hey, That's that, a weird that, answer for you, right? No, no I, I think that <laughs> embodies the spirit of Christmas. It's all about family and the, those little traditions that get picked up. And uh, you and I talked about this before we hit record and you've mentioned your busy schedule coming up. So you're always a man on the move come the holiday season, because luckily K-State football is almost always going to a bowl game. So do you have a favorite Christmas tradition and, and how do you weave that into usually being on the move come the Christmas time frame? It is a little bit difficult because uh, I'll be in Vegas on the 23rd and the morning of the 24th and then on the road uh, in, and in Orlando on Christmas Day. And more times than not, we've had a lot of years where we have either been on the road or even Christmas Day have left for bowl sites uh, back to my time at CSU and now at at K-State. So uh, it's a little bit hard, uh, honestly, to have something, uh, a real good answer for you that on this is what we do at home because we're so rarely there. I mean, this this year, my, my wife is crazy good at, you know, decorating the home with, with Christmas stuff. And this year, we, she's just pared it back so much. Just We're just not going to be there. You know, we had part of our Christmas last week. We're going to have some a little bit next week with uh, uh, part of the family. And it's just it's just odd. But I love the time of year. But I also can't lie. Part of the greatness of my job is enjoying these bowl games. And I've been so fortunate to to be a part of so many in my years at K-State. I'm, I'm so thankful in a, in, a, in a time of year to be thankful. I'm thankful for that. <laughs> You know what? Going to different bowl games is a pretty good Christmas tradition in itself, so I, I think that's a good one. That's all I have for you, Wyatt. What would you like to tell the Boneheads? What would you like to tell any K-State fans who happen to listen to this episode? Uh, the floor is yours, my friend. Well, I'll just say I think it is, like we talked about before, a, a special time right now in, in terms of what's going on at K-State. Is it perfect? No. But, but I, you know, just as an example, you know, the, the transfer portal, you get hurt by it a little bit from time to time, but I've said this a million times, you know, we've far benefited from it than have been hurt by it. And I think that is continuing as we speak here today, but 
And I, you know, I, I think we are in a time too where K-State fans really recognize, you know, all of the things that are going on here and they're pumped up about it. They're so great and, and so loyal. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to say I'm, I'm proud of that. I, I talk about it virtually every day of my working life. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for, for those kinds of things. And probably other than that, just um, hope everybody has a safe uh, holiday season and as many as possible can make it to Orlando, Florida. First, our first bowl game in Florida. I hope a lot of people can make it. Yeah, I wanted to go, but man, I, I tell you what, I, I looked at those flight prices and I was trying to convince Taylor Bratt to put me in his uh, luggage <laughs> to take the team charter. So I don't think it's going to happen unless I can really sneak in. Maybe I'll talk to, you know, the K-State equipment staff, but uh, I think there's going to be plenty of purple down there and I, I'm looking forward to that. And and I'll say this, uh, for some of the road games uh, or home games that I haven't been able to go to, I've started listening to you and Stan on the K-State uh, uh, iPhone app, muting the TV, trying to sync it up as close as possible. So I have to say, uh, you know, best of luck on your call. I'll be listening. I, I, I No offense to whoever's going to be uh, on the TV call, but I'll be listening to you and Stan down in Orlando, and I'm looking forward to you guys' broadcast. Well, I appreciate that very much. I know a lot of K-State people tell me that they do that. We're, we're honored by that. Um, it, it's such a an opportunity and, and a fun thing for us to 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 be there to to present that that part of the broadcast and, uh, and TV's pretty good at what they do for the most part too. But I, hey, everybody kind of enjoys the hometown announcers, right? I mean, that's just that's the advantage that we have, and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that continues for a while. I'm excited about that. Yes, yes. So that's all we have, folks. Uh, be on the lookout. I th- I think you know, fingers crossed, we might have a special guest in Jeff Mitty for Monday's show. So stay tuned for that. And uh, I don't know what Friday's show is going to be, but we will have one because we've been doing five shows a week since August. We're going to see it through the new year. So for the Hall of Famer, the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, for my dog, Chauncey, who's down at my feet wanting to go outside. Uh, my name's Scott McFarland. Merry Christmas. We're still inside uh, Hanukkah. So happy Hanukkah. Happy holidays to everyone. We love you guys and go Cats. Dashing through the snow, 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 dashing through the Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, dashing through the snow, through the in a one-horse open sleigh. Or the fields we go, laughing all the way. Bells and bottles make your spirits bright. What fun it is to ride and sing a sleigh song tonight. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to to ride in a one horse open sleigh. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle, jingle, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle, 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 and soon Miss Penny Bride was seated by my side. The horse was lean and lame. Misfortune seemed his life. We got into a drifted bank and then we got upside. 
Sad. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jing, jing, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle bells, jing, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle, jingle. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh, o'er the fields we go, laughing all the way. Bells on bobtail ring, making spirits bright. What fun it is to laugh and sing a sleigh song tonight! Woo! Sports Social Podcast Network.